Father, it's good to be here this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness, which uh, again is expressed this morning in providing air to breathe and health to, to rise up today and to come to be together with your people and around your word. And so it's a great joy and pray that today that our souls would be fed, that you would lead us in good green pastures and, and good waters today through your word. Holy Spirit, we're in much need of your uh, illumination today as we look through your word and pray that you just uh, individually minister to each one here today. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we're on to a new outline. Hopefully you picked one up and we're steadily marching through the descriptions of love in 1 Corinthians 13, and we're in verse 5. We're on the, I think we're ready for the fourth description of, of the 15 that are mentioned there. We're going to be talking about love does not brag, love is not arrogant, love is not rude, and love is not selfish today. Hopefully we'll get through those four, and that'll leave us with, I think, seven left or eight rock so maybe one or two more weeks after today and should be wrapping up wrapping up love got a quote this week from Dwight D.L. Moody that I thought was was really uh, good so I put it in the put it in the outline there is no use trying to do church work without love a doctor a lawyer may do good work without love but God's work cannot be done without love. I think that's a pretty good summary of what the Corinthian church was trying to do. They were uh, doing everything but loving one another. They were uh, seeking knowledge, wisdom, all the super uh, gifts, miraculous gifts, and were doing it without love. And so I thought that was an insightful statement from, from him. And I read a little bit about him. He D.L. Moody, his ministry really uh, took off when he studied love in the scriptures and went and studied under some other pastors who were preaching and teaching on love and really launched his, uh, the effectiveness, the fruitfulness of his ministry so he would be able to make a statement like that from some personal experience. So we're going to look at the fourth perfection of love fourth description love does not brag or is not boastful so what's it mean to brag or be boastful how and how is that unloving any comments or thoughts on that it's a question it's not in the outline but one that will get us started here so how's what is bragging and boastful and how is that unloving you're putting yourself above another person. Exactly. Well put. Putting yourself another, above another person. Putting them down. And it follows right on the heels of love is not jealous. So sometimes when we're jealous of a person, we'll brag to raise ourselves up, put them down. Any other thoughts? Place undue glory on oneself in order to gain worship. Mm-hmm. You brag and boast is to say that's what you're seeking. 
gaining glory, desiring worship, credit. So the word for brag comes from a word that's uh, not in the New Testament. It means vainglorious or braggart. It's a kind of a cousin of a word that means vainglorious or braggart. It means to talk with conceit or to behave as a braggart or windbag, exhibiting self-display and employing rhetorical embellishments and extolling one's self excessively. I was at Shepherd's Conference one time and I, re- I remember one of the panelists in a question and answer said, beware of the man who's a legend in his own mind and is the hero of all of his stories. So it kind of reminds me of, of somebody who's a braggart. If, if somebody, if myself or somebody else is telling stories and I'm always the hero of it and come across as a legend in my own mind, that's a person you should, should be aware of. They're probably a braggart. Love doesn't try to prove itself and say, watch how loving I can be, but instead works behind the scenes. Love does not parade its accomplishments Christian love does not vaunt uh, oneself Thus says the Lord. so as to parade one's imagined superiority over others. Other words that we could use, these are other translations. Uh, selfless, sacrificial love does not brag. Love is not pompous. Love doesn't sing its own praises. Love makes no parade. Love does not play the braggart. Some other ways that that word is used. Can you guys think of some other words that might go along with some synonyms for somebody who brags a lot? I think of a self-promoter. Somebody that's promoting themselves. I think of the word arrogant. Arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Lord. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Mark, because I have it down as one. So that might be a generational thing. Yeah. Right? Carol, you responded to that. I just laughed. Okay. <laughs> just. I know some. <laughs> He didn't take that personal. Well, I'm trying not to let you. Okay. I won't tell you what I said back. Okay. Would that work for like my generation? Be like people that are like ate up a little bit with themselves, or they're what? Ate up. Ate up. Full of themselves. Ate up. Full of themselves. Stuck up. Pompous. Maybe. Big headed. They're self-flatterers, flatter themselves, kind of person. That's what the Corinthians were doing. I mean, he really nails them. Hopefully it's it's something that is good for us as well. But one thing I, I do want to say about this is that this isn't a class where it's like to guilt you or shame you. There's conviction. That's great. It's more we want to end up being this is the positive way forward. And by the way, Wayne Mack does a really great job of that in his book. Uh, maximum impact, which I think we're starting to get some of these in now for the resource center. But that's the approach he takes. So 
if you're convicted, let it happen, but we'll, we'll talk about the positive side, how to turn that into something that's positive. So some other scriptures, if you guys can think of some that would describe a braggart. A couple that I came up with out of Proverbs, which is always a place to go to describe fools and also describes wise men. Proverbs 27.2 says, Let another man praise you and not your own lips. A stranger and... Let me say it again. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. So if you're to be praised, let somebody else do it. That's pretty simple. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 6. This unfortunately is true. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? So there's an element of it's typical for us to point out our own goodness or our own excellencies. We should let someone else do that. And even then, kind of be leery of it a little bit. Like, don't take it too seriously. That can be... Uh, dangerous as well. Any other scriptures that come to your mind thinking of a braggart, a blowhard, big-headed, ADEP, Dan, that's kind of a new one to me. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love justice righteousness for in these things I delight two excellent verses thanks Brock I, I should have had that in there that is a foundational Old Testament verse on not boasting if you are going to boast boast in the Lord boast that you know him and that he knows you according to Galatians uh, first Corinthians 4 7 for who sees anything different in you what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Exactly. It's an outstanding one. That's <laughs> later in our lesson under the arrogant. No, no, not at all. It's very true that 1 Corinthians, particularly in chapter 4, 6, and 7, other places, Paul addresses all of these um, Opposite fruits of love, the, the negative side. So, very good, Van Allison. Anybody else? Well, let's look at some opposites of the braggart. Can you think of antonyms to the braggart? And this isn't an attempt to say, well, this love is not, you know, does not brag. But what is love then? If it's not bragging, then what is it? So the opposite of bragging would be what love is. So what is love? It's not bragging. Humility. Yeah, I think that's at the top. Modesty. I think there's a modesty. Um, kind of a subdued ego, maybe. Anybody else? In Second Corinthians 12, Paul boasts about um, 
his weaknesses so that the power of Christ might rest upon him. Excellent one. So it's a, it's a sense of if you're going to boast about anything, it's, it's not the things that uh, your strengths, it's about your weakness and your dependency beyond Christ is what we should be boasting about. So I guess dependency and sufficiency in Christ. I think maybe so instead of self-promotion, it's self-sacrifice mm-hmm. and serving. Meekness. Meekness? Yeah. Definitely. Gabe? I'm going off of Job 28 on this, but I'm asking a question if if uh, wisdom is contrasted with with bragging, and I don't know for certain if it is. So I'm asking that. I would say a wise man is not known as a braggart. Yeah. So that's reason at the end of 2828 it says, "Behold, the fear of the Lord that is wisdom." And to turn away from evil is understanding. Mm-hmm. And leading up to that, he says in like verse 8, the proud beasts have not trodden it, the lion has not passed over it. And just after that, he asks the question, but where shall wisdom be found? So he's contrasting there between the two. So I was, I was like, is that setting up a contrast between, or you think proud is associated with 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 Brack, it's a common between the two. So I don't know. I, I could have been fishing that for that one. I'm not certain. Yeah, again, I think uh, a wise, a foolish man is a braggart. A wise man is not. He's modest. He's more likely to, to praise somebody else than himself. A wise man. I think we're looking at an unassuming down-to-earth person here some other other opposites now you think of a, a both a boastful person as making much of themselves so the opposite of that would be make, making much of others or, or encouraging or exactly building others up yeah seeing their strengths like when it says let another man praise you that's the non-bragger that's the loving person he's going to uh, recognize and encourage someone I like some of what Wayne Mack says on the positive side. So if we have real love, we won't uh, try to impress people with our power. We won't try to impress people with our knowledge, education, material possessions, beauty, skills, importance, position, background, associates, or accomplishments. And you can go through there and see how a bragger could do that. Like, oh, I know so-and-so. That's um, a real high, important person or whatever. Uh, you can see how that would be trying to impress people. Or I have this many degrees, and I went to this school on and on we go. If we have real love, we won't stretch or exaggerate the truth. Unfortunately, really good storytellers usually are good storytellers because they can embellish and exaggerate a little bit. If we have real love, we won't stretch or exaggerate the truth. We won't overdress or underdress in an attempt to call attention to ourselves. We won't try to take credit for the ideas we know we have received from others. We won't constantly make people aware of how poor we are or how badly we've been treated 
which I think is common these days, how badly we've been treated, how much we have suffered or sacrificed. That was some really good practical ways to look at it. So what should we boast in? Galatians 6.14, Paul says, May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And 2 Corinthians 4.5, 2 Corinthians 4 loaded, We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Many years ago, on a Sunday evening, Marie and I were at Grace Community Church and went to the evening service. And afterwards, I got in the line of people who were trying to see John MacArthur. Maria shaking her head back there. Yeah, I think that was like, I wouldn't do that today, but it did back then. So I had a little Bible with me, and I had John MacArthur sign that. And this is the verse that he used. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. And I really appreciated that. Like, you know, there's kind of a worship that goes on when people get up and stand up in line and say, you know, sign this Bible. And he really deflected all that and said, I'm not preaching myself, but I'm preaching Christ Jesus. And that might have been true of, of the Apostle Paul. I mean, like, this is a, a man who mightily used the Lord. But he said... Uh, you know, we don't preach ourselves. And again, in 2 Corinthians 10, he says, we will not boast beyond limits. We'll boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us and to reach even to you. So he was very um, balanced. Like, I'll, I'm going to boast, but I'm not going to boast beyond limits. So the limit, I'm going to boast in what the Lord's done in, in the area of influence that he's assigned to me. And he didn't go beyond that. Loving without bragging means we will frequently talk about the victories and successes and accomplishments and good qualities of others. Kind of what you were saying, Miles, it's right along that same line. And there's many examples of what Paul did in his letters, and I'm not going to turn there, but there's some references. Like if you would go to Romans 16, it's the last chapter in Romans, it's basically an acknowledgement and a commendation of families in the church and what their, their ministry was doing. So Paul was mentioning their victories and putting that forward. The ultimate example of somebody who didn't brag, and that's Jesus, who emptied himself, Philippians 2, he made himself of no reputation. And his whole life illustrated somebody who did not brag. Um, he was born to a, a common young woman in a no-name small town, Bethlehem, grew up in a no-name town and just did not have an air of importance about him at all. So any thoughts, passing thoughts on bragging as we move to the next one? Jason? I was just thinking of uh, <clears throat> like, you know, moments in history where people would have had right to boast or right to go on and on about you're not necessarily right, but they would have the, the temptation to be there, but they chose to direct that glory and that um, focus away from themselves and onto Christ and onto his word. And I was thinking about um, 2 Peter 1, 16. 
and where he's he's talking about like he's talking about his experience on the mount, seeing a transfigured Jesus, seeing Moses and Elijah, and being in the cloud, like the cloud, of, like the veil, being that close to the Almighty God, and he's like, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Like, don't worry, like yeah, that's you know that happened. We're not downplaying that it happened. We're not downplaying the significance, but like we have a more sure word of prophecy. So Peter's not preaching himself. He's not. Mm -hmm. It's not about like what I did, what I asked Peter did. It's the he's redirects like focus on the teaching of the word of God. Focus on this. This is what he got. Yeah, he could have really highlighted his experience, which is really <clears throat> highlighting the power of God's word. Okay, perfection number five. Love is not proud or arrogant. Other ways that that was translated, love is, is not pompous, it's not inflated. We'll get to that inflated in a little bit. Love gives itself no airs. Love is not inflating its own importance, nor does it cherish inflated ideas of its own importance. Love is not puffed up. So you see the word puffed up and inflated in here, and comes from a word which means to breathe or blow or inflate. It means literally to puff up like a pair of bellows. Not common. Bellows aren't common anymore, but they uh, literally means to describe one who becomes inflated, proud, haughty, or puffed up with pride. It means to cause one to have an exaggerated self-conception. So again, this was what was happening in the church that Paul was addressing. They were puffing themselves up, blowing air, kind of the person that, you know, he's got, he's a bag of wind or uh, a lot of hot air. Those are colloquial terms, I guess, we use around here somewhat. But, I mean, in this region, words we would understand, that's kind of that kind of a person. It means to become conceited or proud. Love protects us from having an inflated view of our own importance. So what other words would you use to go along with what's been used? Puffed up, uh, arrogant. Thinking of yourself more highly than, than you yeah. ought to. Yeah. A poor self-evaluation. This person has a inflated views so they're not their self-evaluations off I would even go this far they're deceived they're thinking they're somebody they're really not this is a conceited person this is a person that gives you the air that they're superior to you this is a person that's haughty uh, think of Proverbs 6 where it talks about the seven things that God hates haughty eyes <coughs> snotty snooty kind of person I think of the Pharisees and like how they presented this air of righteousness that was just air. I mean, it just was a mirage of obeying all these rules, some of which weren't even really in the law, anyways. Yeah, it was, and they outwardly showed that mm -hmm. with how they dressed and demonstrated by this air of superiority and this arrogant man, the, the Pharisee and the, and the publican sinner who were praying. Mm -hmm in the courtyard and, and the Pharisee is the he's the, the proud arrogant man so I'm glad I'm not like that guy there this is what I do 
and he took credit for a lot of things. Also, somebody who thinks that their authority and that they're not under God's authority, <coughs> so it's like my rules are what says. See that a lot of times, like in those um, cult-like Christianity um, circles. It's the, the the dad is in charge, and he's not ever saying, "Well, this is because it's what God says." Well, he's just saying, "God gave me the authority to do this, so my." Whatever I think, whatever I say, mm -hmm. that is the law. Yeah, I think you could go an unsubmissive person. Yeah. yeah. That's how puffed up they've become. Would self pity be a manifestation of that? Or would that be a different category? Uh, that is a, that is a category of pride. Yeah. To pity themselves. Yeah. Definitely. I remember seeing that in in some of the notes I was looking at. As a, that is a fruit of, of pride and, and arrogance. What did Lindsay say? Self pity. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that a manifestation or a fruit of? Yeah. Pride to the point of people knew me and understood me, but they don't, and you know, I kind of feel sorry for myself because of that kind of thing. Leading into this verse from First Corinthians thirteen is saying, I, "If I have not love, I am nothing." So he's suggesting and comparing if you're puffing up yourself and there's a lot of empty space there essentially that you are nothing in a bragging sense for the antonyms of those or the comparatives of those. So that would that makes sense to me to say, what are you if you brag? It's clear Paul is suggesting nothing. Yep, it's true. Without love. This ugly trait of puffing oneself up, of overestimating or of flaunting oneself was clearly a problem in Corinth. Love, however, is free of this vice which characterized the Corinthian church, the vice Paul repeatedly alludes to. And from the section that Allison quoted earlier, now these things, brethren, I figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that in us you might learn not to exceed what is written in order that no one of you might become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. He was urging them to not puff themselves up one against another. In 4.18 he says, and some have become arrogant as though we're not coming to you. So he's kind of letting them know, you know, I'm coming and there's a lot of things to set in order. Some of you are becoming arrogant. 1 Corinthians 5.2, and you've become arrogant and have not mourned instead in order that the one who's done this deed might be removed from your midst. Speaking of a sinning brother that they had become arrogant and they had not mourned over the fact that sin was going on in the church. First Corinthians 8 1 now concerning things sacrificed to idols we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant. Some translations will say knowledge puffs up. There's that inflated view. But love edifies Uh, I do want to make the comment here. Knowledge can make arrogant. If it's not combined with love, it will be a certain arrogance. But Wayne Mack goes some distance in his book to not downplay knowledge. That's not what Paul is doing here. It's puffs one up if it's removed from love. So I had one other verse I was wanting to throw in there. It's Romans 12, 3. 
which Paul writes, not to think of ourselves more highly than we should, but to think soberly or justly or rightly about ourselves. And that was in the context of spiritual gifts again. So love and arrogance don't go hand in hand. If one is arrogant, he cannot be a loving person. And if a person is loving, he will not be arrogant. Arrogance and love are not compatible. A loving person is concerned about other people, whereas an arrogant person is all wrapped up in himself. I found this quote too, behind boastful bragging there lies conceit, an overestimation of one's own importance, abilities, or achievements. Hence, the next step is not puffed up. From envy to boasting, which is kind of the, the pathway, or jealousy or envy, to boasting, to puffing one up self, puffing oneself up is a natural sequence in the psychology of lovelessness. He that exalts, exalted himself shall be abased, he that humbled himself shall be exalted. Thus is the case, in this case, the positive virtue in Christ, is Christian humility and lowliness of mind. Hodge explains that arrogance is the root of boasting. Anyone who's a high opinion of himself is apt to be boastful and to desire praise. Love, on the other hand, is modest and humble. <clears throat> modest because they're humble. Well, that question I wanted to get to about arrogance from 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Three questions. Sometime we just need to do, probably need to do a study of the questions that Jesus asked and the questions that Paul asked because they're really um, very sanctifying questions. They're very probing, soul surgeon type questions. So he makes this uh, three question in that verse. Who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you haven't received? Why do you boast as if you had not received it? So, wow. Kind of lays it out there. Well, who makes you different from anyone else? It's not me. That's for sure. It's the Lord. The family I've been born into. The circumstances of my life. All of those things. The gifts that He's given me. Or hasn't given me. He's done all that. What do you have that you haven't received? Why do you boast as if you've not received it? So those are good probing questions for us to, to think about. So anonyms for the puffed up person, for the exaggerated person, for the arrogant, pride, proudful person, what would you use as opposites to that? So we can say love is not arrogant, but love is what? The opposite of arrogant. What would that be? There'll be some repeats here. Lowly mindedness. Lowly minded, yeah. Not thinking highly of yourself. <coughs> we'll throw out humble and modest because those are two pretty obvious ones. Somebody's unpretentious, 
Love is unpretentious. It's deferential, defers to other people. It's unassuming. That's submissive. Quiet and reserved, and I don't mean like you're a person that doesn't talk, but it's like you're quiet, reserved, you're not a boastful, brash, uh, loud kind of person that is making much of yourself. So I thought it was needful to ask this question, what does God think of arrogance or pride? We could spend a whole Sunday doing that class. Just a couple of verses. Anybody have anything? God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And you're going to read that in Second Peter, First Peter 5, I believe. I actually didn't have that one down among the ones I... That's a good... What's that? I just said one of the Peters. Maybe somebody's got that, but... He opposes, which... Uh, have we studied that yet in our no, Peter? Peter? So we must. First Peter five. First Peter five something. Yeah, five five. First Peter five five. So that is a that's a strong uh, word. Oppose literally means to stand up against in a military way. So if you're a proud person and God's opposed to you, you're not going to win. He's 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 going to. Uh, come out on top on that one. One goes on in verse 6 to say, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. So there's not, we don't have to exalt ourselves or be boastful in what we're doing, but if it's fitting for us to be exalted, He will do it in due time. That's oh, a great point. Great what scripture. Verse is that? It's First uh, Peter 5 6. So it comes right oh, after First okay. Peter 5. Well, that's really good teaching because um, the humble, what do you think of the humble? Um, he will exalt them in due time. And it's always much better to be exalted on his terms and not ours. Proverbs 16.5 says, The Lord detest, strong word, all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. <laughs> Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. It's Proverbs 11.2. Proverbs is loaded with it. Proverbs 8.13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. This is God speaking. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. Those who walk in pride, he will humble, or he humbles those who walk in pride. There's the example of Nebuchadnezzar hmm. at the end of that. So he will humble those who are proud. One of the best examples in Scripture, I think, of God humbling Nebuchadnezzar. And you know what's really neat to think about? I think it's likely that he will be in the company of saints in heaven. I think he became a converted person. But God did humble him, had to oppose him 
and bring him down. But he was writing high, God-exalting um, words to his kingdom later on. I read this uh, Psalm 75 this morning, and it's talking about, I warned the proud, stop your boasting. I told the wicked, don't raise your fists um, or speak with such arrogance, for no one on earth from the east or the west or even from the wilderness should raise a defiant fist. It is God who judges. He decides who will rise and who will fall. Psalm 75. Yeah. It is over and over in through Jeremiah and Jeremiah 13 verses 15 and 16 on pride says hear and give ear be not proud for the Lord has spoken give glory to the Lord your God before he brings darkness before your feet stumble on the twilight mountains and while you look for light he turns it to gloom and makes it deep darkness where was that at? Uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 15 where? and 16 okay Right before he exiles and does, does all that. Israel's been pretty bad. <laughs> Probably literally in almost every book of the Bible, or at least an example of, of God bringing down proud and exalting the humble. Haman. <laughs> And Mordecai, the example of that in in Esther. For the, for the humble, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as have a contrite spirit. That's Psalm thirty-four, eighteen. And in Isaiah sixty-six, two, if you want to have the gaze of God, it says, "But to this man, let me get there, so I'll get it just exactly right." It's really towards the very end of the book of Isaiah. But on this one will I look. So this is a person that God will look at and will gaze at, will behold. On him who is poor, have a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. So the arrogant we brought low, the humble will be exalted. I think we got time for at least perfection number six. Love does not behave rudely. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. So, one translation says it does not act disgracefully. That's the NASB 1995 version. Looking at other versions, it was translated disgracefully, unbecomingly, rude, uh, dishonor or does not behave improperly. So do you know a rude, inconsiderate and dishonoring person? <coughs> what makes them so? Generally they're selfish, right? Mm -hmm. Like can you think of some examples? And selfishness uh, is, an, is the next word that he's using. So these are all kind of cousins, but you're on the right track. Yeah, I mean, like, considering yourself more important than someone else. So, like, you know, it, you could take any situation. Like, maybe you have something that you want to do instead of, 
allowing someone else to do what they need to do. So you tell them they can't do what they need to do because you want to do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes expressed in like you're supposed to meet somebody at a certain time, but your schedule yep. kind of changes and like, well, I'll be half an hour late or whatever. It's rude, it's inconsiderate. Is it like the action of, uh, as far as like being like pride or it's more like the action of being prideful or um, uh, arrogant or puffed up is it is the action. That's a good point, Judy. It's actually the living out of it. It's not just the attitude, but it is the expression of it. It's a life on life, um, way that it's those are lived out. Jason, I think, she's, I think she makes a really good point because all the examples that I can think of are some sort of common something that is shared amongst most people, like a meal or an area, like. I'm just thinking like in a professional setting, like a common area in an office building. And if that place is trashed or not taken care of, or at a meal, if you take more um, than your fair share, or you deprive someone of something that they could have enjoyed, like that's that's what I think. It's always it's always some sort of interaction where you have um, where you have done something uncouth. That someone else that directly affects someone else in a negative way. Mm -hmm. I think we're really getting to it. It's really a lack of consideration mm -hmm. for the other person considering their situation. Mm -hmm. So it's inconsiderate, and it, it's the failure to think about how your actions will impact someone else is what he's talking about here. And in the Corinthian church, if you take that back to a church setting, it was they were inconsiderate. They were rude, and they were talking over each other. He had to even say only two or three should speak and that in order. And you know, God is a God of order. So there was a rudeness there. There was an inconsideration that was going on in the church. Well, and underlying that is a lack of gratitude. Right? Being, if, if, like you're in this common area at work and you know, you, you're not thankful for what you do have. And you, I don't know, I just think of people that are the poor um, ability to say thank you. And when somebody does something to me, that is, I think it's so inconsiderate, and yet that's what you want to teach your kids. First thing is that they are always saying, thank you, mommy, thank, I appreciate whatever. You, you can't get that said often enough. Gratitude is behind a lot of it. Yeah, and you're getting at something of manners. This is talking about manners, well, mannerly a, way. Yes, it's what a you want your gracious. people around you to do, and we don't. Well, to piggyback, this is a back pocket verse for one of our children who is incredibly rude. <laughs> um, and part of it is, is you know, training your children sure. in the way they should go. But there are adults who act like our rude child often. And I can find myself acting like our rude child often. So it's... We're not at synonyms and antonyms, and we're not even there yet. But it's very childish behavior. It is to be rude, to be proud and arrogant, and things like that. Those are more adult. Like there are there are children too who can be proud and arrogant, and you think about teenagers kind of approaching that too. But to be rude is childish. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that word up because later in First Corinthians thirteen, he said, "When I was a child, right. 
I thought as a child, I behaved as a child. When I became a man, I put those things away. That's what he was telling the church. Quit being childish. Mm-hmm. You're, you're so childish. You're you're growing up now. Is it is it because like they're thinking too highly of themselves? And as a kid, you haven't had life like where you learned like you don't know it all. Hopefully, as you grow up, you learn like. I'm not as smart as I think I am. There's lots of, you know, like, hopefully Should it's be. Built. But yeah. I think if you aren't thinking overly high of yourself, then you're not going to be rude. You're going to be considerate of others because you're going to recognize that others, you know, you need to treat others more important than yourself. Exactly. And so this is what was happening in a church. It gets to what Judy was talking about. So they are proud and they are puffed up and they are arrogant. So what they have to say is a lot more important than somebody else, right? So I'm going to be really inconsiderate of them. I'm going to talk over the top of them. I didn't think about And you see someone people else. demanding to be treated a certain way or demanding that they get a certain level of service. Um, and that's very, I mean, you mm-hmm. have to think pretty, pretty high yourself. That's exactly right. You're not serving me the way yeah, I deserve. you're not doing this the way I want it to be done, and so I'm going to demand that you do. I always think of... Um, the uh, actors or you know the famous puffed up arrogant people yeah. that trash hotel rooms you know you'll hear like they trash the hotel room that is inconsiderate that is rude mm-hmm. and let me bring this down to to our level like you're thinking about the people that clean up at our church here mm-hmm. afterwards mm-hmm. so that after a Sunday and you were walked down through the rows, then there's tea or coffee cups or trash or junk laying around. Mm-hmm. That person that did that is rude or inconsiderate, or I would use the word unloving towards our janitors. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you bring it down to a very practical level. It's just a lack of consideration I heard a story of someone on else. On Christian radio about that Mr. Kathy, I guess he owns like, what is it, Chick fil A? The Cathy's? Yeah. Well, evidently this guy was with Mr. Cathy, and they evidently ended up in the public restroom together. And as they're leaving, he noticed Mr. Cathy wiping it off the sink around, you know, wiping off around the sink. It wasn't his Chick-fil-A. It was just what he does. It's just who he was. Mm-hmm. And you say, you know, people standing on the red carpet, what what have they done? Nothing. But <laughs> you know what I mean? I, mean, I get it. They think they have. You know, well, they deserve that, right? Exactly. They want I can trash this. But he does this and nobody notices. Of course, now I just told you, so now. <laughs> but you know what I mean? That whole, mm-hmm. like you just said, being considerate. I don't care how rich you are or how big you think you are. You need to be humble and like that. Still need to be loving. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And he wasn't on that radio show saying, I do this. It no. Was his friend saying somebody else he was, was testifying. But another man prays you, not your own. Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So act act unbecomingly is indecent or uncomely or without uh, external shape or outward shape, external form. It's contrary to form, fashion, or manner of what is proper. So it's what is proper. This is a breaching of what is proper or the right form or right shape. The idea is to behave in an ugly, indecent, unseemingly, or unbecoming manner, to be ill-mannered or rude, Love does none of these things. The person, this is from Wayne Mack, the person who's showing real God-honoring love will not be inconsiderate, crude, rude, or discourteous. 
real love means that the person will avoid embarrassing or putting another person to shame. I think that's a, a really good statement. Will avoid embarrassing or putting another person to shame, and he will do his best to avoid treating other people in, a, in inappropriate ways, which means he'll make sure that he treats people considerately, respectfully, and with dignity. And I like what Jerry Bridges said, the inconsiderate person never thinks about the impact of his actions on others. I think that's the best definition of somebody's rude. They don't think about the impact of their actions on the others, like your child. It's not thinking about how that's impacting someone else. So it's a very selfish thing, which is going to be our next word that <clears throat> he has in the list. The person who's, al who's always late and keeps others waiting is inconsiderate. The person who talks loudly on his cell phone to the disturbance of others nearby is selfishly inconsiderate. So is the person who leaves their mess on, boy, I typed this, take full responsibility, so bad typo, on the kitchen counter for someone else to clean up. Anytime we do not think about the impact of our actions on others, we are being selfishly inconsiderate. So he really gets to the heart of what that word means and kind of getting to the truth of it. So, some opposites. So what is love? Love is mannerly. Love is considerate. Love is respectful. Love is polite. You could use a John Calvin quote, do what is honorable in the sight of all. That's from Romans 12, 17. So that's what it means to love in a mannerly, a considerate way. I think we are running out of time. No reason to try to rush through the next one. We will return next week to number seven. Love does not seek its own. So we will.